Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Comics and Pop Tarts podcast. I am your host, Inevitable Mike. I'm joined by a couple of cool creators with a comic book. But before we get started, I'd like to invite you guys to check out ink.pub slash wildoni. It is the pre-launch page for my first comic book coming out this summer. Go check out the Legend of the Wild Oni Facebook page for uh, some really cool, uh, really cool updates, including the cover done by Monty Michael Moore, the premier artist for The Mandalorian and Disney, which I thought was really awesome. It's a beautiful piece, and I can't wait for everybody to hold it in their hands. Uh, go check out MavesArts.com if you want an early print copy of Monty Michael Moore's art. Joining with me today is uh, Stephen Russell and Joseph Miles Pittman. They come to us with Tales of Nihilism, available on Global Comics. Guys, how you all doing? Doing all right. Hey, what's up? It's nice to meet you guys. Uh, sorry about the hang-up the other day. I know That's we were scheduled good. to do this earlier, but uh, health problems cause cause weird issues. Um, yeah. Something, <laughs> something that people don't alive. talk about. Yeah. <laughs> Runs wild, man. Uh, but yeah. well, we're here now. And we're going to talk about it. Uh, Stephen, you and I met, what, I, I guess about a year ago mm-hmm. uh, through, uh, I believe it was a Facebook group. And you had asked me some questions. I made some comments. And, and here you are a year later with lots of improvements, man. So yeah. so let's start by, um, let's go let's go to each of you right now and just kind of like introduce us to like who you are and uh, how you came into comics. Stephen, we'll start with you. Okay. Yeah. So um, I don't have a uh, background in comics. I have a background in just about every other industry. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> That's okay. I did uh, 10 years in the Army as an infantryman, a paratrooper. Thank you and, for your service. Oh, no problem, man. And, um, you know, I've worked as an EMT. Uh, I've worked in the oil field, done all kinds of, you know, manual labor. Uh, but the thing I've kind of always done is, is doodled. You know, I've always used my, my downtime to just draw and, and do things like that. And I'm also kind of like a, uh, a storyteller as well. Every time, you know, you have downtime hanging out with the dudes, I'm always the person like telling a story, breaking the ice and, and things like that. So, uh, you know, a few years ago, I decided to kind of reconnect that part of my life and, um, take a lot of the, uh, the things I've been through and try to merge them into this, uh, comic. And I wanted to use that, that, uh, medium specifically because you have the ability to, to show and tell, you know, your story, you can do the art and create and, and, and make things, you know, to me personally, so much better. Awesome. man. And, and, uh, and Joseph, man, how about you? Yes, sir. I'm pretty much in the starving artist territory, you know, came out of college and like, oh, what? It's like, <laughs> I'm, I'm handling like health problems right now. So it's like, man, I got to I gotta make sure that I'm going to do what I want to do, you know? And yeah, when I found that comic book class on campus back when I was a student, it's just like, holy, holy shit, you know? It's like, that was the first time I, I, uh, I bought the supplementary material just to learn more because I was just enthralled with the way that like stories can be told no matter what the budget is, no matter what universe you have, you can just do from the get go. And I got all the skills to make the pages and write stories. And I was just like, Hey, people online, who wants to make something? And it's just like, everyone was flaking <laughs> out, but Russell's like, Hey, I want to do something. It's like, all right, man. And then, Hey, Russell, you still there? Yes. All right. Well, we're making the pales of nihilism now. It's like, cool. <laughs> it's it's a weird medium um real quick before we get back into it for anybody who wants to learn comics there's two there's two great resources that i've i've built up in my portfolio for learning comics and one was comicsexperience.com where you get to learn from a multitude of like different artists uh, including teachers like uh, andy schmidt and paula lore and also jim higgins has a class coming up soon for for anybody who's interested in, in wanting to write or learn how to draw and tell stories using art uh, you can look up Jim Higgins on Facebook or Twitter. And you can go to comicsexperience.com to check out what kind of classes they got uh, coming up. And they, they have a bunch of guest lectures as well that you can buy into. 
just for the sake of having a private panel session, including a, a really awesome opportunity to join a network for a set price a year that will inject you into an entire universe of comic creators that is privately um, and subjectively, but also objectively removed from the vast majority of public opinion on social media and only focuses on the creation of comics. So I just wanted to put that out there for you guys and for anybody listening who wants to get into comics. um, You never, ever stop learning on your journey to making comics. Like you said, it's a visual medium where you get to show and tell. Um, Mm -hmm. The the uniformity of, of how many variations that you can use show and tell are endless in comics. Yeah. And I think that one of the most attractive things to the medium is as far as uh, comics goes being in, in its own unique niche in the, in the industry from, you know, all other industries, regardless of how it might have likenesses to things like, you know, visual novels or film. Um, so is that how you guys met um, to make the tales of nihilism? Was it basically like me and Steve met in, in the group? Just yeah. looking for people to make comics with? Pretty much. Like I was just slapping out messages on different groups. Different people like, it's like, hey man, pay my bills for me. It's like, well, I can't pay my own bills, man. So it's like, Russell's just like, like, like Russell's one guy. It's like, man, I really, really just want to make this comic really badly. It's like, all right, I'll help you out, man. It's like, you gotta break that ice <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i i see a lot of that on the the forums you know you go in there and everybody wants to immediately make some sort of business transaction and they want to uh you know jump into it immediately start making money and do all this and you're like just like with anything you know you have to build relationships you have to you know go right. out and meet like-minded people you know me me and joe will we'll game this uh, story over and over again, but we, we seem to be on the same page, you know, nine times out of 10 on just about everything. So if you don't, if you don't find somebody that you can work with like that, it doesn't matter what sort of business arrangement you have. It's not going to go well. Yeah. It's are, a, is very important. Important. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Oh, you're good. <laughs> you're good. <laughs> I was just saying, man, like people aren't really looking for partners, you know. It's like, like, yeah. like you say, with the with the money, people just want to use you as much. It's like I already put in my ten thousand hours, you know. Like, get out of my way, you <laughs> But like, you know, Russell and I, it's like, yeah, it's just, do we like what we're making? And I mean, like, whatever we built over the story or whatever, it's like all of our conversations end with us agreeing with one of the two guys like every time it's usually the one who has the problem who is right too it's like hey man this would be better if we did this mm-hmm. yeah i see your point <laughs> like every time <laughs> well that's assuming that that one of you know the team members isn't fragile and can take constructive criticism that <laughs> yeah this seems to be an awful awful huge reason why people don't don't get editors because some creators are very fragile their egos are very sensitive and I like to be told, like, hey, this this looks wrong. What looks wrong about it? <laughs> whoa, whoa, calm down, sir. Saying, but if you moved it slightly, it, it would look better. Why does it look better? Okay, you know what? You call me when you take a beat. <laughs> it's like those, those clients are really hard to work for. And I like it's, sometimes you got to talk people out of their own head. You get too close to it. I mean, that's why I hired an editor for, for my book because I just – Editing your own book, I don't recommend is is exhausting because then you like double question yourself all the time. Like, does this look right? I mean, it looks right. I mean, it follows the philosophy. But what if the <laughs> philosophy is wrong for the genre? Oh no, Mike, who are we gonna talk to? You're talking to yourself. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm too good. I think I'm too bad. What do I do? Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And it, it starts sounding like, you know, a South Park writing room. <laughs> we just throwing voices around. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, so so it's it's kind of cool that you guys have a synchronicity and, and kind of a, a camaraderie between you two. That's 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 very rare. Um actually a lot of successful people who make comics find those individuals that you know they can work work best with. But of course, comics speaks for itself, it's a collaborative medium without you know other talents and some of these comics that we've grown up loving would never have come to fruition at all 
Oh yeah. So so tell us what speaking of comics coming to fruition, what is what is the reason that that the tales of nihilism has come to fruition? What is what is the the willpower that pushes the story into the into the echoes of eternity that we that we should all read? <laughs> well, I'd say starting out, you know, that we're in a a day and time where the ease of access to put these uh, stories out and to to actually do this stuff is so much easier and the availability is like right at your fingertips. You know, you, you can go to these self-publishing sites, you can find, um, you know, a, a comic uh, basically website and, and just start doing whatever you want. You can put anything up and that's not the case. You know, you're looking 15 years ago when, when I first, you know, graced a comic book and looked at it and said, I wanted to do that. You, you know, you had to send a letter, hope that somebody like, you know, got back to you, all kinds of other stuff. So the, the availability is just like right at your fingertips. God, I could imagine looking for an artist back then. <laughs> wait a whole week for a reply. You send out like several mail mailing mail listings after you finally found them in the yellow pages. Yeah. Like I remember being, I think I was like 12 years old and that was the first time I ever tried to send something in to like a comic, you know, like Marvel or DC. And I had all these drawings and stuff and I'm like handing them to my mom each week. And I was like nine times, like 99% sure that like, she's not mailing any of this off. You know, <laughs> <laughs> oh, your own gatekeeper. That's harsh. <laughs> yeah. And, and then like the internet came around and like, you know, I looked up, found Marvel as a website. And I was like, what? wait, you could actually like send them an email. So I'm like trying to do that. And that was my first, like, you know, shut down, like, Hey kid, yeah. nah, you need to like, you know, learn a little more and do all this. Free <laughs> for Yeah. Photo. Someone listen to me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, that's funny. Yeah. Everybody's dreams at the edge of that love. <laughs> It's all like, Daddy, what's paper? I don't yeah. know either. Yeah. Oh my God. I, I work at a I work at a game shop part time to help pay for this little dream that we call comics. And uh someone came in and asked for a VCR and then some kid in the shop was like, What's a VCR? I was like, it's come to that. Come. The generation has forgotten the technology that I've grown up using. I'm officially old as dirt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it happened. People nowadays no! like even mp3 players are like what's that i'm like it's a thing that plays music but my phone plays music and i'm like yeah but back then those were two separate things yes what if they put them into one i was like monetization come on man <laughs> oh yeah. they were trying back then man come on i grew up in the the dinosaur age where you know your remote control was like the youngest child you had to run up and go turn the knob on the tv <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. yeah yeah that's crazy not now everything's basically remote control uh, oh yeah my dad my, my stepdad's uh pretty much technologically inclined and he's got like everything in the house runs on like voice activation or at the touch of his phone so like he could just lay in bed and run the whole house i'm like don't you think that's dangerous uh yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I come from that where it's like that, that just scares me because then i start thinking you know uh 2001 space odyssey <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> hello dave <laughs> i'm sorry steven i'm afraid i can't let you have toast today it's like no that, that please still still kind of happens man Especially, yeah you know, for certain companies that you work for they give you a laptop here and you take it home you try to plug something in this device is not approved whoa <laughs> yeah damn so so if i'm if i'm remembering this correctly um you you referred me to go to to global comics which is a, a mm -hmm. comics publishing site so yes. tales, tales of nihilism is already up right oh yeah Okay, so I have an interesting question. A majority of the guests I bring on to the show, usually we're helping promote for crowdfunding, and I put those you know, in the show notes. Very seldomly do I ever have uh, uh, a few creators or a creator individually that comes in and, and on the podcast to promote something that's already out there. Um, why, why did you 
profoundly skip the part of crowdfunding or is it something that you just might revisit at a later date and you just wanted it out there i'm curious let me say man like we just we wanted to make something i'll tell you that much but like nothing's morning than like someone is crowdfunding and then it fails and people like like oh, i wanted to see like that get made or something because like you that disappointment it doesn't happen and we're like you need to you need to get some if you want to support us it's like we're gonna tell you we're doing this for all of us not just for we want our bills paid mm-hmm. okay yeah i mean you you can put that up there on on the website and have the the comic available to everybody to read without having to worry about you know all the um the overhead and stuff like that it's not like you have to go on global comics and and pay for a yearly subscription to be a creator you know you can just go there and start posting stuff up and to me uh maybe it's my level of morality or what it is i just i don't feel comfortable going out and you know like begging for money for somebody to try to like create something i'm like no i'm gonna show you what i got and then you come to me if you want more you know gotcha gotcha We're making res- it, no one stops us yeah I, res- I respect that a lot of people do you know fall on their swords when they when they crowdfund it's a grueling process and it's to be honest from personal experience it's kind of stressful um, oh yeah <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, you you have to have a certain mindset to be, you know, a, a a campaign like donation type person, and to get people to come in and do that. And I wouldn't say that that's like my strongest, you know, suits. Like I'm yeah. I'm a hard worker, and I'm I'm an artist, and you know, storyteller. Yeah, but as far as... a lot more, a lot more social media savvy, which we are not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, hey, there's nothing wrong with admitting that, you know, this is what we can do and we can't do that shit. So we're just going to do what we do best. Yeah. And so you found a loophole around it. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, there's a lot of people out there that really don't know how to hold their own limits up in a mirror and be like, you know what? We're good here. People (laughs) fly past it and they like crash and burn and everybody behind them's laughing and they just keep on going and eventually i guess the loop will teach them the lesson i'm like you're just not good at this stop it <laughs> yeah so, so no I, I totally get it because i mean i've 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 been a part of of uh of ink marketing studios for a long time now and we've we've seen lots of campaigns come through and i think i've only been a part of maybe five that haven't been as successful and it usually has to do with a multitude of factors. It could be um, not a lot of content or uh, there's not a lot of variety in the offerings or sometimes the project that you're bringing to crowdfunding and the amount that you're asking just really don't add up to, to value versus, yeah, like, you know, like don't, don't bring, don't bring something from dollar general and expect Walmart prices. No kidding. Uh, yeah, and, and that's where a lot of people shoot themselves in the foot. And like you guys said, you, you guys are storytellers, so you're coming from a place of passion. You're like, fuck that fucking stupid <laughs> financial speed bump. We're just gonna put this shit up here, and whoever likes it, good for you. Yeah, <laughs> damn right, man. We're doing our thing, man. We're flying our flag like South Park. We we're gonna say <laughs> our thing. If you get offended, well, sorry you missed the joke. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a lot yeah. Of other ears than yours. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. No, but it's it's really cool though, because then you guys get an, an entirely different set of skills, which is the 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 part that um, where you have to prepare files and then upload them to a site and make them legible. So let's talk about yeah. that. Again. Like, what was the process like, and what was all involved for people who don't know going into global comics? Because I know I know people mm-hmm. of global comics, but not many people I know go to global comics. So what was the process like uploading? The Tales of Nihilism and, and what kind of like traction have you guys had on, on global comics? Has it been received well? Yeah, um, it, it's not too difficult. Like we we did the um, tried to start out on uh, Amazon KDP because that's just like what I knew at the time. I was like, OK, Amazon's out there. Kindle's doing this. You know, let's try to do that. And that it was so user unfriendly that we we had to look 
elsewhere. It was just ridiculous. You had to download the, the Amazon KDP, you know, module, and then all these files have to be really specific. And then if you don't have everything right, it just doesn't come out and you're saving and losing material and resaving. And I was like, Russell, dude, stop. This is a waste of our time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was so awful. Like it four weeks later. <laughs> yeah. Wow, man. Yeah, so I was like, got with, you know, Joe, and I was like, hey, let's look for, you know, a site that just does specific tailored to comics and see if we can do that. Mm -hmm. And we checked around, and yeah, there's, you know, there's a few of them out there, but a lot of them, you know, they they tend to kind of lean more towards, like, anime or more towards, like, hey, we're going to tell these kind of stories. One was it, just, like, just, like, romance stuff. Like, like yeah. every single cover was just, like, an anime girl kissing a boy. It's like, we should leave this one alone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like, okay, we, we looked at Global Comics, and that's where you see, like, a variety. There's anything and everything on that, that site. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, people are going to this site for comics that are completely different and that's really kind of like the uh the niche where our comic is tales of nihilism it's not about you know superheroes and you know anime robots and all this we're we're telling like you know a, a pretty uh substantial story with it okay so the process isn't hard and it's obviously it's obviously good for your niche so so tell mm -hmm. us a bit about nihilism tales of nihilism without giving all the, the juicy stuff away. Like what, what, what is Tales of Nihilism and kind of what it's about and the kind of concept that it captures as far as storytelling goes. Like, so what Russell, like this was, this was started off as his baby, you know, like this anthology series following like different, pretty much like humor or dark, just stories in general, you know, we got comic strips, we got short stories and uh, Russell, Story of Philip Kirstring, you know, our, our regular guy living in the world of superheroes. Yeah. So that's right now, that's our main story is we're following, you know, this uh, normal average dude. His name's Philip Kirshner. And he's just this dude who lives in a world that, you know, superheroes exist in, but he's not a superhero. He doesn't have any powers. And he's the one who has to like deal with all of the fallout of the world on a daily basis and that was kind of the whole point of this was to take those superhero tro tropes and like turn them on their head and show you just kind of like how perverted all these worlds would actually be and perverse. go into that yeah perverse yeah. and like it, it's kind of like trying to destroy that image of the the superhero and say hey like this world really wouldn't be what you think it is it's not all like great <laughs> our, our first issue is just like filled and the traffic is caused by a supervillain deliberately trying to hold back the cops, you know? And, like, Phil has to, he's, like, late for work, and he's, like, I'm thin ice because of that traffic, you know? So when he tries to go home that night and do his work on his laptop, that's when the power goes out, you know, because of a different superhero battle. It's like, dude, this world will be hell. That's hilarious. Actually, I remember when uh, when Steven sent me, sent me the, I believe, the first issue I was reading, and I was like, man, this is this is great. This is like uh, the old man and Dennis the Menace, and Dennis the Menace grows up and becomes a superhero, and like the the bitching just never stops, and it's gotten even worse because now he's like, "You wanted laser eye powers, you son of a bitch! Get work done and stop slicing the power lines." It's it's actually like a really cool take on it because I was a I was a big fan of Hancock when it came out. It was like, oh yeah, what man. what if a superhero was like actually like a human and they weren't yeah. perfect and he's like an alcoholic and he's telling kids to go to hell and yeah, and he's sleeping on benches and like, oh, I'm a homeless superhero. Sorry about your car. And you're like, or uh, <laughs> oh. Oh man, what was that other movie I really, I really enjoyed too? That that's very underrated. It's called uh, "My Girlfriend's." Uh, I broke up with my superpower girlfriend, or some stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, she like broke up with her, and he, she throws a shark in his in his, in his apartment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that's just like what ifs uh, of superheroes like were super emotional, like people are with their egos and stuff. I can't yeah. believe you broke up with me. I got super strength. What's wrong with you? Like, yeah, park for breakfast, and it's still alive. 
<laughs> yeah. And I, I think there's this like uh, need in all these, uh, you know, established comics that you've got to follow like that, that hero's journey, that, that Joseph Campbell's, you know, arc. Right. And right. we're trying to take that and like deconstruct that and say, Hey, you know, most people don't, don't get to achieve that in life. And a lot of people don't feel like that. Mm. And, you know, you may not be able to, you know, relate to Superman or Batman, but we think you're going to be able to relate to Philip. Yeah, that God, man, that is depressing. Like, not everybody goes through life and, and, and you know, comes out on the other side. Like, yeah, I hit a jackpot yeah. once and I went to the Grand Canyon and I peed off. I'm going to make it yeah. after all. Yeah. <laughs> I got the third base on uh, Mount Everest and it was great. Like, some people are Ooh. like, yeah, I fucking fell in a ditch once and I had my carter. Yeah cardist a couple times and you know get up to the pearly gates i died of an embolism while driving in traffic <laughs> oh, yeah, 42. Like, jesus yeah <laughs> what yeah, yeah man sounds you know, totally different and unique i like it i like it like a lot. yeah i mean I, i've worked a lot of you know manual labor jobs uh oil field and all that and you know you meet you meet a lot of these people. It's like, yeah, th this isn't my like dream. This isn't what I was like thinking, you know, in my head when I was sitting in school or doing this. this but you know, it, yeah, it pays the bills, and I'm just like moving through life, and I'm I'm doing it. And you're like, well, damn, like just shit, you know. And you you see a lot of that struggle, and then on top of it, I'm I'm just this person that likes to take these ideas and and warp them. And then I was like, okay, well what's it going to be like to be that kind of person or a normal person? And then all of a sudden you've got to deal with all the crap of living in like a superhero world too. <laughs> it's like, you know, that, that would just like crush people. You're sitting here thinking like, man, you, you have a flat tire or, you know, you do have some sort of car, car trouble and your, your insurance goes up, you know, $250, $300 a month because of the premiums and stuff. Now you have a superhero, like, wrecking your car every single day, fighting a bad guy. <laughs> like, yeah, who's going to be able to afford a, a vehicle at this point? People freak out because, like, the ATM doesn't work, man. It's like, there's, like, a zombie apocalypse next door as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always did wonder in the DC in the DC uh, comics because they do a lot of crazy things, man. Like where everybody got turned into like animals and mm -hmm. what, what what happened to that guy down the street? Like what did he do when all this shit was going on? Like, yeah, there's anybody in an apartment somewhere? Like didn't realize all that shit was going down. Yeah, like well, how did live around? That that's like the the funny thing is the the kind of spark for this came out of that. I was like playing the. Uh, the Batman, the Gotham uh, Arkham Asylum or whatever it was, you know, years ago. And and Batman's like down in the sewers and I'm like trying to play in the sewers and see where, you know, I'm supposed to go next. And then I just happen to like look over to like the right and I see this like open hole in the wall where the police station ends up and then there's like an open server room. And I was like, wait a minute, in the sewers? Like, you've got to keep server rooms, like, at 50 degrees, you know, and really dry. Like, how does how does Gotham have internet? Like, what's going on? And it just jarred me, and it took me out of the whole, like, experience. And then I start going around, and instead of, like, focusing on the bad guys, I start, like, noticing OSHA violations. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that, that, that'd be a good story, though. Uh, a quality assurance rep for the state. <laughs> yeah, though, no, this isn't going to work. We can't do this. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, man, those alien and crocodile eggs, they really messed up your building's foundation, you know? <laughs> Relocate this to a different planet, or we're going to have to shut you down. Like. <laughs> yeah. God, I want to see that story now. A quality goes up at the mansion like so there's an oddly uh normal amount of power being used here yeah. and we, we looked at your plans and there, there's a huge space underneath your house we need to look at yeah <laughs> batman's not there it's just it's just a butler who's like oh yeah sure whatever <laughs> oh yeah 
that team is way too big to be on that wall. Is that anchored in there? <laughs> Why is that waterfall just falling into nothing? Who built the bridges here? This is unsafe. There's no commission the giant penny. And where did it go? <laughs> yeah. No one can find the giant penny. You don't lose that. Penny. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. It, yeah. it, it hits it hits differently when you think about stuff like that because a lot of the times you know normal hero comics it's all wow and pizzazz and and super powered this and oftentimes the the story structures that we use because we're human mm-hmm. and they use this a lot they use this analogy a lot and uh, marketing is like um, they feel as though that writing those types of stories makes us fulfilled because to everybody else in the world that wants our money it's like oh you're missing something in your life well come get these laser eyes and come get these rock hands and turn into a giant mindless monster who can jump over buildings and scream smash yeah uh, come get this serum that you need uh, come get some steroids if you want to lift a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and i mean even even when you have struggles in a lot of these stories the it when they get like really difficult or really hairy, it still centers around like the character's powers or like they temporarily lose their powers, you know, and like how they have to deal with that or, you know, and it just, it doesn't, it feels kind of like, you know, I want to say like, uh, like a a wax mannequin, like it's kind of, there's a facade on it and you're just like, is this, this is really how somebody would feel like this? Like, (laughs) it doesn't seem like, you know, it's hitting as hard as it should. So, you know, I was like, "Hey, we we should write our own story. Let's let's go with it." It's like, like, why can't the hero just like talk to the villain? It's just like, well, why is the villain dumb enough to do this in the first place? <laughs> <laughs> like, they're just setting themselves up to be destroyed. <laughs> I have a story where the hero just shows up one day, like, "Look, man, this is not a fight. Let's have a really interesting, logical, and rational conversation." Yeah, Pop your head hey, off, Doctor do- Devastation. You want to just grab a beer, dude? Yeah. <laughs> Like it, it, it seems like if you just go talk to a therapist every day, you might be okay. Like <laughs> you can afford a therapist. I know you can. Come on, man. Let's do it like Tony Soprano. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, same idea. Like you know, it, Batman doesn't even utilize his greatest superpower, which is his billions of dollars. Like if he just, you know, built housing projects and you know did infrastructure for Gotham City, people. Would be able to thrive there i know oh yeah i don't ever you know after a while i think people started catching like why do people keep breaking out of this like, <laughs> he's got billions of dollars and why can't he just reinforce it with money instead of just showing back up with the bad guy like i'm in a suit and uh oh by the way here's all the quinn again yeah. Me, I'm going, yeah yeah whatever bats whatever <laughs> real useful bats <laughs> I think it's because everybody gets like higher, higher insurance, and like every time they break out, everybody gets a bonus. So. That man works with Gordon, right? Like, yeah, right under the table with those two, man. Yeah, that'd be that'd be fun. Like some someone would be. It's like it's like Gotham stayed poor this whole time. They're poor. Crime. It's 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 almost kind of like, I, and and I really wish they'd. And this is personally, I really wish they'd end that that whole arc just. Stop milking it for what it is. Just let it move on. Either let Gotham be destroyed by a giant nuke mm-hmm. from some Ra's al Ghul fanatic who finally <laughs> his dream and just have it start over and let that be a lesson. All these other places, you know, like Metropolis and uh, all the Arrowverse places yeah. where crime still exists. We're like, oh, maybe we should straighten out. <laughs> <For Yeah. we're laughs> Batman failed, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah. No, well, not not just Batman too. You're like, wait, did anyone ever call in the National Guard or something? Like, hey, like <laughs> national infrastructure. You know, that's kind of a that's a pretty important thing. And if there was a terrorist, you know, shutting down the infrastructure of a major city like New what York, what do the politicians do in DC land, man? <laughs> they corrupt and become villains. Yeah. Like green skull faces, and they'll just terrorize the city from their desk. Yeah, I mean, so every time yeah, the military got involved, it was always like, "All right, we're gonna trust these hero guys." But as soon as they turn bad, we're we'll turning on them. Like it's gonna happen. <laughs> they were just like Batman. They were like, "Be prepared," because I mean, they they already had like 
when Superman got involved, they're like, oh, we're going to do this kryptonite on ice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they did that in the Red Sun story when Superman went evil on that yeah. alternate Earth. Like, yeah, man. told you. <laughs> like, superior man and all that shit. It's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he, even with Superman, that's like another one, too, where it's like, you know, you, you have this God creation of a, a, you know, a character, but there's no, there's no real, like, uh, heavy stories behind that where it's like, okay, uh, what, what would Superman do, you know, it, it with like Rwanda or something, you know, there, there's like a <laughs> genocide going on halfway across the world. Does Superman like step in and stop that? And if he doesn't, it, is he is he culpable? You know, like you just watch like you know all these these abuses and slavery and all this other kind of stuff happen across the world, and you know Superman's just like, nope, I have to go get Lois again. You know, <laughs> there, there's a train that just derailed Metropolis. I I need to go fix that real quick. You know, the kids teach you nothing. That was basically his entire spiel in like the first season of uh of this uh, the Kent and Lois show. Mm-hmm. Like, she'd get frustrated because every time his his kids would get frustrated every time something yeah. would happen. Like he's at a ball game, like gotta go. Yeah, <laughs> daddy's never home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's weird, man. I, mm-hmm. I I'm writing a I'm writing a hero. Uh, I'm doing the, I'm taking a page out of Stanley's book. So I'm like located in Biloxi, Mississippi, which for most people are like, where the fuck is that? And I was like, well, it's on the Gulf Coast. Um, right I'm... right next to where I grew up, Gaucher. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. I don't go out that way very often, but I know where it's at. Yeah. <laughs> it's a tiny little town next to another tiny little town next to Stone County, which is a 15-minute drive through next to another tiny little town. And um, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to build a hero presence out, so I've been working on it for a while because when I want to release it, I want to do it big. But I want to do it in a different way that – it hits different than normal trope, like hero tropes. Like the idea of having a hero is great, but you can't ever really rely on one person. So the, the stories that I want to tell, I want to kind of throw the power back into like the people, you know, like, like gladiator, like I want to be Maximus at the end where he's like, you know, give the power back to the people. And then I want to go to Elysium and die a happy death. And when my dude actually dies, he's going to die. I'm not going to bring him back. Like, we're not going to do the Marvel trope thing. We're like, <laughs> old man Logan dies. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's, he's back to life doing his old thing with the same old claws. Yeah. It's just that, that that's, that's the marketing side. But in real life, realism is, is, is realizing the things that you can't do because mm-hmm. how it is, it was, life was never made for one person to take on all of the world's problems all at once. And I think that's yeah. kind of the point of life speaking back to human nature. It's like, we're all supposed to be in this together. Mm-hmm. And while a lot of these hero, hero stories, they really hit right on the mark of like, there should be someone I don't understand. Maybe it's like something in humans that thinks that we should just like dem- dem- uh, democratically vote one person to be like the fall guy. And the one that gets like admonished for doing all the right things. Yeah. We're all, capable of doing the same thing it's like almost some type of an unintelligent glitch we're like yeah we believe that but that's we shouldn't believe that <laughs> let's get yeah. over this hump so i want to i want to tell a story that that puts that power back and everybody's kind of like makes everybody think like hey what if we all did this together and devote on shit like <laughs> we vote for each other like, <laughs> yeah you know and we're, we're going in a vein with that as well because you know it's they, your hero characters are good for inspiration and stuff, but just like you're saying, like it's not, it's not one firefighter that puts out a burning building. You know, right. you have a whole team of people, and everyone down to the person who took the call to the person who you know maintains and cleans that building. Every single person has to work to make sure that that entire system works flawlessly. And when you start putting all of your kind of like hopes and dreams into that person that may may have done the inspiration spark well you're you're losing out on like the vast network that had to make that happen you know absolutely what uh <laughs> going back to we talked about like jobs earlier what was the what was the worst job that you had going through the motions in life uh 
shoot. <laughs> my, mine must have mine. a lot of crappy ones. So, so uh, here I'll start, and then maybe this will inspire you to figure yeah. figure one of yours out. So I used to I used to work for a company um, when I moved back to Louisiana. I, I decided to close the book on uh, like an old fling relationship that had been like dangling in my life forever. And I was working for her uncle. And he owned a uh, um, that leveled placed and transported mobile homes right mm. great gig but if you're in the wrong position it's not such a great gig so i was a blockman and we also did repossessions um which were the worst because you had to get up underneath the house you had to cut the shit pipe you, mm. had, to pull, you had to pull out the brass yeah. uh, the brass and all that and then you had to at any given point in time mobile homes are huge and narrow ro- narrow roads are synonymous throughout all of louisiana mississippi Mm-hmm. especially in Louisiana where it's very swampy and humid. And so walking through ditches and um, very convoluted ones at that, they were like very mysterious. Like they had grassy patches, but at any given point you could fall about four inches in. Yeah. <laughs> so they were muddy. It was dirty. There was no bathrooms and um, trans, uh, like you could work 10, 12 hour days sometimes, sometimes even 14, even like, even if it was raining, it was the worst job I ever had. Um, and and that, that 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 was one of the jobs that like forced me to like okay I'm going to college I'm gonna get a brain <laughs> and I'm gonna do some smart shit because this hard shit is gonna kill me by the time I'm 45. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that was the worst job I ever had next to the four days I spent at McDonald's before I just said I'm out. <laughs> I quit. This is that was a Kroger for one day. <laughs> Kroger, oh, a little man. waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> I pick stuff up and put stuff down. <laughs> out of here. Yeah. I, I've done a few of those like warehouses and stuff like that, but I'd have to say like, as far as taxing physically, uh, when, when I moved from Colorado back to Texas and I was working in the oil field at the time doing wireline and that was just night and day. Cause Colorado was like pretty decent work, pretty steady. And, you know, you did the same kind of jobs regularly. But when I went to Texas and Texas has like zero regulations and like they don't care. (laughs) And we would do jobs in Louisiana and I go out there and, you know, you're you're out on a freaking like floating dock with like a 60,000 ton, you know, pound vehicle pulling, you know, tools in and out (laughs) and you're just wet and you know like you said working 16 18 hours a day oh my god and that yeah and they're just sitting there like i remember pulling up to the first uh wellhead in louisiana and i'm seeing like boudreaux and thibodeau out there on the derrick and they have no shirt they have no shoes and i was just like what is going on oh man <laughs> For anybody who's listening, if you don't know who Boudreaux and Thibodeau are, it's a oh, yeah. joke known through all Louisiana. Yes. You should you should definitely spend some time Googling it. It's badly it's 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 better better left to you to find out for yourself than for us to tell you because it's hilarious. <laughs> and it's better than watching TikTok videos because it's funnier. Oh like, yeah. They do some stupid <laughs> Yes. <laughs> but yeah, that that was absolutely just awful and like you said i you know i finished up my degree i was like i'm gonna go work like inside i'm done <laughs> i can't do this kind of stuff i'm going in from the out now <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's it's hard labor sucks man but it, it does give you it does give you a perspective of the mm-hmm. world it does introduce you to a lot of those characters that you think about who never win in life bringing it first full circle and some mm-hmm. people who just aren't aware to think outside of the possibilities of like their own situation. Like some people will sit in misery and work themselves to death for somebody else just to get by instead of thinking about how could I improve my situation and where can I go from here? And once I figure that out, what do I want to do? Cause like, that's a class I never had in school. Right. was like, Mm -hmm. so we're going to grow up and we're going to be something great. Wait, how many great things could I be great at? Like, Nobody ever comes to school and unfolds like an encyclopedia and like you could be a dinosaur person and you could look at rocks all day and you could stand in front of a screen and talk to people without anybody there. But you've a million people have seen you on TV and you're talking about clouds. Mm -hmm. Nobody, (laughs) nobody ever tells you that stuff. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, whatever tells you you can walk in the sewer and tell Batman that he can't have a 4,500 <laughs> screen in his Batcave. Like, yeah. nobody told you quality assurance existed, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, and that's that's kind of what I've done is, you know, been like a uh, jack of all trades and, and just move through and like, hey, man, that, that job seems interesting. Okay, I'll do that, you know? Oh. EMT. Oh, holy crap! This is an awful job, and this is why. Well, let me go check this other one out. You know, but then you start seeing you start seeing the same people at these jobs, and you start you know seeing the same like tropes, and then the same issues going on here and there, and you're just like, oh, okay, like I, I'm getting it. You know? Yeah, I'm getting it too. It's like starting to feel like Jesus. Like this is why he was empathetic. Look at all these. Bad- <laughs> I'm gonna die for all you guys. It's time to stop being sad now. Like, <laughs> of course, poor bastards. I know it's just in the mud at the register. Yeah, at the end of someone's car filling it up with hay. Like, wouldn't you rather be at home doing something cool like making comics? Like, <laughs> What's a comic book? <laughs> Glad yeah. you asked. No. <laughs> Go look at comics and books. We'll teach you all about. And I mean, you know, that's a big thing too. Is misery loves company. So you know, you oh, yeah. you you see those people at those those jobs, and you're like, okay, I I remember you from last job. Like, I'm gonna stay away from that. <laughs> that's true, but it's like it's like a double edged sword though, because those bad jobs are full of you know different perspectives and experiences that give mm-hmm. us fodder for these stories that we write. Yeah. You know, I can't imagine the first time someone sat down and and wrote Batman. Like, why the hell am I putting him in this weird suit? Like, what was the bad experience for that? (laughs) Gonna take the underwear and we're gonna put it on the outside. (laughs) It's gonna work, trust me. (laughs) Like, if anyone saw that in real life, a guy running with his underwear on the outside of his pants, they'd be like, call 911. Yeah, they've gotten out of the hospital. Forget the bank robbers, who is this guy? Oh, I can't believe that was the thing that like got people's attention back in the day. Of, like as far as design goes, like what can we do to make this different? Make people pay attention. Put his underwear on and outside of his pants. Like what? <laughs> he looks like a circus performer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Gee golly, let's get it on the press now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Gee> Rollers. <laughs> Holy like Batman! Did you really think that would work? I don't know, yo, Robin. <laughs> That's right. I love those old dialogue tropes. Like oh, they yeah. talk like they talk like people at, at Speed Racer. I don't know. <laughs> huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or, you, or you go you go through and you start seeing like the old slang and stuff like that. And you're like, oh, oh, that was something they said back then. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, to be alive. I, I see some of that trying to come come back when I work for other clients in their dialogue. It's it's funny. Yeah. You wouldn't happen to be a speed racer fan, do you? <laughs> uh, I actually would. <laughs> I grew up with speed racers. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, this this just so much. But uh, uh, just congratulations on the global comics, man. Like, do you guys, how many issues do you guys have out right now? So sure, like uh, five releases. Yeah, we we have five releases uh, right now. As far as the main story goes, there's there's three. Okay. And then we have a, um, we do kind of like a short story format where it's not, it's not like short as in page length, but these stories are going to be, you know, like uh, one offs or yeah, stuff like that. Like they just end and you're just telling that specific story. Okay. And then, and then we do a uh, month where we just release funny strips, you know, anywhere from like three to uh, five or six little panels and, it's stuff that you know it's making fun of uh daily life it's making you know having those those types of uh thoughts because there there is still like a philosophy element behind this you know we had the first um the first strip was about the you know greece and you show um what's his name yeah we have sisyphus like going and clocking in for work yeah pushing up the boulder and then after him is a uh, is a uh, Prometheus also clocking mm-hmm. in, and the birds are already coming <laughs> forth. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's funny. Yeah. 
huge fan of the Greek mythology stuff. Prometheus is actually one of my favorite stories. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Like you said, misery loves company, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you really love them birds. You shouldn't have gave them fire to the folks downstairs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah so... Yeah. Let's let's break away with that for the last ten minutes. I got I got something I want to ask everybody that I bring on the show this year because it seems to be invading every conversation, including uh, you know the conversations that I had uh, mm-hmm. at DC, and uh, I was talking with Anthony Figaro uh, this past past weekend at STCC about good old AI. They're, they're going to be the tools we wield to, to write the future. What are you guys' position on AI and comics? <laughs> yeah, or nay. <laughs> I, I'm a huge, like, uh, I, I don't want to uh, have a computer do my job for me. <laughs> Got you. <laughs> I like you doing this. Did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He says but, no to the robot takeover. <laughs> you know, but... But I put it, I put it as the same idea, man. You know, we had the same stories coming out at the dawn of the Industrial Revolution. You know, you have John Henry uh, fighting the picket pounder, and the, even though I think with his dying breath, he still beat the picket pounder. Mm-hmm. You know, those, those industrialization tools took off, and they they won. And technology is going to keep moving forward. It's going to go where it's going to go. And people are going to utilize it however, you know, it's meant to or, you know, what makes things better. The so, people that don't watch the robot takeover movies are the ones that make robots. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was I was actually watching that uh, that Lex Friedman interview with Joe Rogan. And he's talking about Brave New World and like how it's the this great paradise. And I was like, wow, you really missed the point of that book. And you're the one creating the, the Matrix AI that's going to take over. Oh yeah, big brother. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, badly. I, I have a hinkly suspicion that it's already sitting in Sophia, who has you know citizenship in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Which I thought was a big mistake, but you know. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think you'll find we we actually have a, a character in our in our story if you get get that far, uh, with with AI, and that should that should kind of tell like what we think about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I i can't say too much because i'm biased i use chat gpt i think it's a great tool um, it does say some scary things but uh <laughs> right now it, it can't handle weapons so i'm not too concerned about it yeah <laughs> i own guns but until those guns no longer work against ai <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, wait, wait oh, yeah. for their guns to be public knowledge <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I mean, you know, there's type of dystopian robot human complex world where it's like half AI, you know, half humans. I'm, I'm fully expecting AI to have some type of open source animation within the next five years. Because yeah. if you if you can do it with writing and you can do it with art, there's there's got to be someone out there working on that shit to combine those together. And before you know it, Hollywood will disseminate before AI, open AI technology, and mm-hmm. everybody will have access to, to the entertainment industry. And yeah, you just like I, plug in, like, I want a movie about this. Two minutes later, you get two hours of movie. Right. Yeah. The creators of South Park would be so pissed. I'm like, I bet you someone modeled this shit after us. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, they, they use tools and perfected their animations, you know, to. Yeah. to pump out within like six weeks and but that you know like took a whole human human team of creatives to do um but it was faster than what hollywood produces at places like pixar and stuff who have like twice the team and tw- the dozens of many of many more languages yeah to produce that stuff and i'm just i'm curious and i'm and i'm i'm gonna ask everybody to compile it because one day i'd like to write a book mm. that a- analyzes you know the the new industrial age for AI, yeah, to, into mankind, and does it does it is it going to hurt us, or is it going to help us, and how do we find a way around it? Because, like you said, it's not going anywhere. Yeah, not everybody's going to wake up one morning with a with a with a god size epiphany and be like, "We have to stop this." <laughs> yeah, like, that would be a movie that never happens in real life. Exactly. <laughs> 
because yeah, and but, i mean commodification is is what's pushing it is how fast can you get something out slap it on a plate sell it you know and make money off of it and you know that's that's the way our society structured sadly enough is like hey this is what it is, you know? And right. so to me, you're, you're losing a piece of your soul when you do all this kind of stuff and you see it, you know, in the, the Marvel movies, you see it in, you know, DC doing all their crazy runs. And with, when it's, we have to make that money, we have to make that financial return. And we're not worried about the stories. We're not worried about, you know, the, the emotions that they're going to bring out and how we're going to actually do the art well this is what you get you know and so product versus art <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's true a lot of that's tangent uh, uh, on you know <clears throat> happening right now in politics with currency mm-hmm. global scale so you know if, if the fiat currency ever collapses then you know comics might become a different place <laughs> the world <laughs> will become a different place for sure but the way people make comics and how you approach it because it's not it wouldn't be based on currency maybe i don't know there'd have to be some type of currency eventually but maybe one day there's not and it turns out to be like episode six of the mandalorian where you show up at a planet and robots run it and nobody's allowed to have guns in your city and uh, humans focus on the creatives and dress like hollywood gurus and robots are the new slaves and but they have rights and it's, they're like that's the least we can do but then you have like some yeah, type they're... of virus that infects robots and like they, they get violent and start killing people and it's like oh no our our entire yeah, our place is going to go down and we're going to have to go back to work oh god <laughs> <laughs> that's a real tragedy yeah i mean that whole thing like killed me i was uh, actually watching the star wars last week with my kid and you're seeing on the first uh the first uh movie and you get into the like big loader that the uh, Jawas have and they're in there torturing droids and I'm like why are you torturing machines like what's yeah, going on like, <laughs> like, yeah, like they're screaming in pain and I'm like is it programmed to do that is there some sort of like, pain what yeah I'm heck? like is there a kink thing going on <laughs> uh, I, th- I think I think it was more of an emotional disposition he walks side like they just looked at it and then just get angry at it but yeah. the robot makes sounds like there's a soul trapped in there yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> when the dead Ewoks go their souls become droids yeah. Ewoks creep me out man this, this is their design like you've never seen their they got yellow bright eyes but you don't know if they have a nose or a mouth or oh yeah the, the Jawas yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, they're creepy creepy characters absolutely and if anyone was going to torture a robot it would be them oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, looks like the 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 shadow things in kingdom hearts just in mm-hmm. the, like they just yeah. uh, <laughs> creatures that chase things that move you know like yeah. raccoons or dogs or something it's crazy man <laughs> So what is uh what is a place that people can go to find the tales of nihilism? Uh, heck yeah. So um, of course you can go on global comics and uh, we have three free issues up there on, on that. And then I think you have to do like a subscription, but you can also uh, pay for uh, PDFs to get downloaded on that. And then subscriptions we have, are really cheap folks. It's like two bucks for subscription, right? Yeah, yeah, it's it's not Up a it's not gonna break your bank. Yeah, <laughs> these are comics, folks, not movies. Mm-hmm. Don't worry. Yeah, not games. Yeah, and it, it's the same with the PDFs. If you want to download those, I think they they max out like three ninety nine or something like that. And then, of course, we have a Facebook page and an Instagram, so you can go there for updates and see what and we're doing. Twitter. Oh yeah, and Twitter. That's right. And you you can see all that, and we'll post up updates and hey, you know, we got some characters up, like, check this out, and this is when we're going to do our next release. And folks, you know, if you can tell, we're chatty guys. Like, leave us some comments or something. Tell us what you think. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, man. I, thank you guys for coming on to the show today. Um, all your yeah. links stuff will be available in the show notes, of course. As always, I'm Inevitable Mike. This is the Comics and Pop-Tarts uh podcast channel we appreciate everybody who showed up today for the tardy party and the crazy conversations we love you guys <laughs> have a great day never stop creating and don't let your mom be your gatekeeper you yeah that mail <laughs> <laughs> go Thanks, forward man. and grab your dreams and don't trust an ai to create it for you because that's lazy as shit <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> yeah. All right, guys. You guys keep making comics, and hopefully you can come back and tell us more about it. Until then, go to Global Comics and get Tales of Nihilism today. I'm Inevitable Mike. This is Joseph Miles Pittman and Stephen Russell with Tales of Nihilism, and we are out. Woo! Later. Hello, my name is Michael Nunley from Omen Comics and Revelation Comics. I had a great time on Comics and Pop-Tarts podcast talking about making comics on that long and windy road it takes to make them. I recommend this show to anyone who wants to give a little bit back to the community and for creators, maybe learn a little something about making comics.